ways that we could get it wrong. You know? <laughs> There's so many things, Diane, if you think about it. In the ways of communication that uh, can be done, uh, you know, with the unintended result. I agree entirely. Do you? I do. Yeah. Well, that's great. It's 9.06 a.m. Saturday, April the 17th, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. I couldn't do it at all today. I couldn't do the... Oh. Something's wrong. I think it's the weather. I blame it on the weather, Diane. The sun is shining in through the windows. The sun is shining in through the windows. It's beautiful. And, you know, I give it... All of that, the beauty parts, I'm totally there with, but it's not healthy for me. Yeah, it's not I good know. for the booty. Or for the... <laughs> which I still That's can't right. do. I can't do the... <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. Everything's different. <laughs> I'm noticing it in my singing voice. When I, when I sing this time of year, it's like my voice has kind of a, a gruffness to it that I don't like and I don't recognize. It's weird. And it's not even, it's not even hot yet. I hadn't noticed the gruffness in your voice. Well, I've just noticed it like in the last couple of days as my body has been reacting to the change in the weather. Yeah. Well, so. this change was pretty radically fast yeah. this year. It's true. Sort of like the, we, I was mentioning to you that we had the heat on and then all of a sudden the air conditioner's on. And yeah. It was just like in a day yeah. that that went. It wasn't like there was some period of time where... <laughs> You were in transit where you didn't quite know what you needed. Whether you yeah, needed exactly. Cool. Yeah, I know. I've experienced that too. It's a, It does not bode well that for my friend Tim, who has uh, got a place down in Seaside, Oregon, that there's a burn ban in effect in Seaside now. Wow. Because of the extreme fire danger. And this is April. Wow. I know. Tim's just. He's, Tim's been going to Seaside for... 40 years ever since he got together with Demetra which is 41 years actually um, he said there's never been a burn ban burn bans usually come around the 4th of July you know or July August and September you know late summer but to have one in effect in April is pretty uh, scary so there you go <laughs> you know I wanted to start out with something uplifting something that was you know to really engage people in the positivity that we foster here at the Bill and Diane Show. As part of what we do, our mission in life is to bring um, frivolity to, uh, to uh, you know, to the masses. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. All, all, <laughs> four, all four of them. All four of them. And, uh, ah, so, there you go. It has been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine. I don't know if you noticed that or not, Diane, as per usual. Over to you. I thought that our goal was just to have a conversation on oh. Saturdays. Well, yeah. <laughs> but we oftentimes are talking about some, you know, things that are frivolous and yeah. lovely and, you know, meant to uplift. You know, the thing that's so weird about talking about a week is so many things happen in a week. <laughs> it really is true. Yeah. Even in isolation times. I know. I, I feel like, um, I sometimes forget in between the times all the things that have happened. But um, this week, uh, well, first of all, I'm on vacation. Oh, yeah. As of today, right? As of, well, actually, kind of as of yesterday, huh. although I had a few little things. But oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on vacation for a week. Yay! <clears throat> Uh, in our group, uh, our whole team has not really been taking many vacations because usually when you're taking vacations, you're going somewhere. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, our our supervisor actually said to everyone, I really want you all to schedule some time off because I'm, I'm really afraid you're all going to get burnout um, from working the way that you have. And especially because... After the, um, you know, in a year ago in March, when the pandemic really was evident, uh, our work actually got uh, to be more uh, 
intense. Right, because there were so many things related to the pandemic that had to be dealt with. Right. right. Yeah. So, so she she is very wise in thinking. Yeah, I think we you you guys should take some time, and this is a good time for me to take off. Yeah. So, but. Yay. Um, and I had I I had the uh, pleasure uh, and the delight of actually working all this last week at uh, my doctor's office, where I usually only work one afternoon a week. I usually work Thursday afternoons. It's usually four to four and a half hours a week is my job outside the house. But it's been it was a pleasure this week. There was a couple of things that was just very interesting to notice. First of all there's a whole different kind of stress involved with having a job. And I had become unused to it, unaccustomed to it. So on Monday and Tuesday, I think I was feeling that more than anything else. But at the same time, I was getting the pleasure of seeing people, you know, even though everybody was masked up and I was, you know, wiping down the countertops and the chair arms and the door handles every time somebody came or left uh, into the office, uh, it was just a pleasure to see people's eyes. I know. You know, and to, to actually be able to interact with people. And I, even as I was feeling stress, I found I was just, I felt incredibly jolly just to be in the company of, of humans. <laughs> I mean, not, not to, not to discount my, the pleasure of hanging out with you all. No, I totally but, but just understand. To be, to be in the outside world, you know, to to remember it as a concept and to actually participate in it for a while and do some decent work. I mean, I, I felt like I was very much appreciated for what I was able to accomplish on behalf of the of the the office, and it was so. It was uh, it was a pleasure, and I get to work one more day on Monday, and. Uh, then I too will be back to what I would call my new schedule, which is not without stress, but it's a different kind of stress in that it is based upon my creative pursuits more than upon an outside employer. You know? So it was just interesting to notice the, the way those phenomena registered in my body during this week. And I, but I think by Thursday, which was the last day I worked, it's only a four-day work week, I felt like I was just enjoying myself and really uh, relishing the, the contact and the, and the, uh, all the intricacies and the, and the little tasks that I was asked to do and things like that and actually being able to get things done and stuff. It was nice. It was nice to remember what that felt like. But I think that part of the niceness of it uh, had to do with the fact that I knew that it was a finite uh, uh, interval. You know, that it was only for this week uh, was it going to be happening, which I think allowed me to enjoy it more. So anyway, I wanted to throw that in with your, because you were talking about your job. So. Yeah. And this week we did, you know, we, last week we talked about the, the problems we've had to get our delivery of our stove, and we now have a new stove in. That's right. That was uh, a major... The saga of the, the stove. The saga of the stove, but... Yeah. Uh, we're very happy with it. It's here. It works. <laughs> yeah. And, that's... Uh, you know. But it has really prompted me to uh, think about doing this very creative way of uh, refreshing our kitchen. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. I am too. As an artist, ar like an artistry project, right. not as a... Uh, yeah, yeah. It's It's been kind of a fun uh thing that I've had on my mind. It's been a nice set of conversations that you and I have had about it, mostly you doing most of the talking, but me just kind of relishing the idea of making the kitchen into something that we will find pleasing uh, rather than thinking about, you know, what is fashionable currently or what would be seen as attractive uh, to a potential buyer somewhere down the road. We're like, screw that. We're, we, <laughs> yeah. we plan to be here for as long as we can physically manage the stairs. Yeah. So why not make it something that we like? Why not make it into a a, a, a kitchen that we find pleasing? And Because uh, people, that if we ever do have to sell this place, people are going to totally redo it anyway. So rather than trying to anticipate what someone might like down the road, why not just do something that we like right now? 
Yeah, it's been an interesting uh, psychological journey for me because I was even telling my life coach about this yesterday. When I painted, uh, we decided to paint our uh, hallway orange. Right. And the reason why we did is because CMP had this has this beautiful this orange the, room. The CMP Coffee Company in West Seattle, where I would go to play music in normal times. And I would be sitting in the audience, and I'd be looking into that room and thinking, that room is just beautiful, yeah. especially when light shines on orange. There's just something so beautiful about the halo effect that it has. Right. And so I talked to Bill at that time and said, what do you think about painting our, our stairwell, the entry, uh, our entry level and, and the stairwell orange? And we both said, yes, let's do it. We came up with this color. And, but as I was doing the painting, there was this. Diane did all the work, actually. <laughs> yeah. I was, wasn't I working still at the time? Or? Yeah, I think so. But I, yeah. I like painting, so there was no yeah. problem with that. But as I was putting on the paint, I was, I had this little e in my um, psyche, e. a little e, because my parents never would have used orange in a million zillion years because they were always having to resale homes. Yeah, because you guys moved around a lot. Yeah, or right. resell homes, and there, so there was actually a little bit of a. Uh, a victory psychologically for me to yeah. do that yeah, yeah, yeah. but when i actually was talking to you about bringing more orange into into the the living spaces of our home because this was all the entryway right. and i've always loved it me and too. and so many people comment on our our stairwell because they say this is such a beautiful color it's not white. <laughs> it's not gray. It's not some blue color blue it, yeah. or, you know, something that is, it's very uplifting. But I was thinking, oh my gosh, do I dare? Do yeah. I dare to bring the, yes, I dare. So that, it's a silly thing to. No, but it's a, but it's, it kind of speaks about what is almost genetically programmed into us by our childhoods, you know. Um, I had a different experience in my childhood. The aesthetic in my home growing up was a lot more wild, you know. My mom especially has this really exotic sense of, of decoration and stuff. And I remember she put this wallpaper up at the top of the stairway leading up to my sister's in my bedroom that was traffic signs, you know? It was just black, white, and red were the only colors, but there were these big, like one foot across stop signs and yield signs and railroad crossing signs and stuff like that on a white background. And it was just really, it really popped. And I remember loving that when I was a kid. And then one time she came into my room, which had, when we moved into the house, it was all done in kind of powder blue and white. I had a dormer room. My sister and I both had dormers. So there were all these different wall surfaces, right? And these sloping walls and things because you had the roof line and then you had the dormer going out and you had, so there was a lot of different angled surfaces in my room. And I loved that about my room. It felt like a big closet in a lot of ways, but I liked the way it was shaped and stuff like that. And one day I came home and she had painted it red, white, blue, and gold. All the different surfaces had different colors on them. And it just blew my mind. It was just so amazingly cool. And I was like, well, what made you think? She's going, I don't know. I just thought it would be great. I didn't like it. All the color, it seemed so dull in here. You know, and stuff like that. So your mom would probably love what we're doing in the I house. I think she would. I think she would, yes. Well, when I was young, my mother used to actually get interior designers to come because mm. and i truly believe it was how do we make this look just so elegant that the next time we sell the house we will once again uh, be able to profit off of it rather mm. than lose money um, in the moves and so i never got a choice in the way that my room looked and i loved the way that my room looked but it wasn't my choices um, so it's 
that's why this is a little bit of a victory for me is just like, this is what I want to do. Right. I mean, liberation. Well, I, I don't mean to, to seem like I'm excluding you from this, but, but uh, in our course of conversation, that it's sort of like, I'm presenting to you, this is what I would like to do. What do you think about this? And then uh, get like, your opinion. I like color. I like color. And so it's, yeah. it's, everything's fine with me. I mean, I like anything that makes it distinctive and less plain. Yeah. And it's just, and I think that's something that's been driven into me from my earliest childhood. Whereas for you, it's kind of a liberation from what, what was, right. what was driven into you. And I remember, where my mom did my sister's room in kind of the same way, only she made it a girl's room. Yeah. She The wallpaper, she put these strips of wallpaper that were like off-white with like gold, like almost gold leafy looking stripes. And she also, there was this frame around my bedroom window that I think she had my dad put up. There was just plywood. It was like a this wide, like a, almost a foot wide all the way around. And she had put wallpaper of like um drums and it was blue and i remember it had pictures of of like flags and like military drums you know that old style military drum with the with the gold like strings and stuff on the drums and and i just thought it was just dazzling it was just amazing and even my dad had put some shutters up in the dormer windows so that I could close the shutters, which I never did. But she wallpapered those with that same um, fabric or that same wallpaper so that it was just this amazingly distinctive looking room that just gave me no end of pleasure throughout my childhood. And I'm grateful to my mom to this day for what she did. And it was a total surprise to me. And uh, it was great. I don't know if I had gone on some kind of a church retreat or something where I was away over a long weekend or something and came back to this room that had been completely redone. And I was just like, wow, you know? And she's like, you like it? And I said, I love it. So it was cool. Color. Color. It's, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. Color is really um, deep passion for me because yeah. uh, all my collages, you always say that, they have stained glass colors. I, I like that yeah. that was the the description you gave because I thought, yeah, there's something about those real rich, deep jewel tones and yeah. real vibrant colors that really turns my crank in a lot of ways. Yep. It's just that that feeling of like bright... Light shining through amber or something. Yeah, like that, you know? just yeah. so wonderful. But other than that, um, and I'm not going to speak much about this. I just want to mention it because, and the reason why I'm not going to speak much about it is because I am claiming my total ignorance and I don't want to s speak out of turn until I have learned a lot more. Uh, but I'm auditing a class through the University of Washington, which if you are over 60, you can do in the state of Washington at any of the state institutions you are able to audit a class for just the uh, the small fees like it, it's costing me five dollars to audit this class yeah. and uh, you can get in if there's room you can get in if there's room yeah, yeah. Uh, but during this period of time there is because it's virtual. on it's virtual yeah. but i'm taking a critical race theory class from critical race theory in medicine right it is and it's a, with a medical focus yeah. um and the reason why i'm taking it is because we had a a presentation to our work group by by two people from the university of washington about equality and diversity uh inclusions that edi is that the i uh, inclusiveness maybe or I, see I, I do not like all the terminology around this but it um, and this one man who was speaking and presenting is so charismatic and inspiring and I learned so much from that presentation that was a three hour presentation to our group but particularly learned from him and I thought 
I need to, to learn more. And I don't really care what the, the topic is that they're using. You can use medicine or politics or right. whatever. It yeah. doesn't matter. It's, it's the, the same. same story. Yeah. It's the same story. So um, when you're auditing in class, you don't participate. You don't do homework. You're just listening to the lectures. And, but you can do the readings. And, and, like they, and read the, the text yeah. that they provide. So... I attended my first class because uh, I was unable to go to the first two classes since auditors have to to register after everybody else who needs the courses register. It's uh, you're in a different state right. than the others, and that class, that one class, particularly because of the timing of it. Um, with recent events, I didn't, don't need, want to even go into all the events people know, was mind-blowing. It, it really blew my mind and, and really showed me how ignorant I am. And I think that that is going to be a place that I'll be for a while, and I want to learn more and be able to communicate better. I don't want to communicate in my raw ignorant state right. all i want to do is say that that is something that is really a focus of mine right now and and i really want to learn about this so anyway yeah very appreciative to have uh somebody whose passion for this topic actually lit me up mm -hmm. and made me want to learn more because yeah. i think that we have these opportunities available to us so wondrous wondrous and some, some of the things that have unfolded in the last year and uh, that have been enriching really. yeah so. and other than that uh, I continue on my life coaching quest which is a lot about uh, retirement and that has been a very inspiring part of my life too I, I find it really interesting that that all you need, and even about this critical race theory or anything that you want is to focus on, part of the thing is just focusing on it. If you want to improve your ed education about yourself, about your life, about your ideas, you need something that's helping you focus your attention on that, on a regular basis yeah something and coming from outside of your all the con, con contexts that you've been raised with you need something that comes from a completely different perspective to kind of a, awaken a sense of your own ignorance you know and uh, i think that's, that's something that we all uh, need and that's why i really appreciate doing this life coaching because by doing it just it's it's more that you are driving the whole pattern of this but you've got an audience and you've got someone who's prompting you and so there's and almost listening a, to you. Yeah, almost a sense of a, a just a just enough of an expectation uh in your life that it spurs you to to engage with it in a way that you wouldn't just by yourself exactly yeah. because i think if there's things that we want to do in our lives, unless we are actually making an appointment for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think some people like you, for example, you are making an appointment with yourself to do writing every day. You're making an appointment with yourself to make sure that you're following, you know, the that you're practicing your music and all that. But especially since I'm still working, there's such a tendency to not focus on the things I really want to do. And, uh, and the things that have arisen from this life coaching have been quite amazing for me because the questions that I first was bringing into this about my reluctance to retire, I thought it was just financial, but there's also... Uh, the, the most recent 
life coaching session I had yesterday, I realized that it's also this, why do I deserve this time? You know, why do I, uh, because what I feel like is happening is an invitation into more creative time on my own. And I'm so used to having this task that I have to do to make money and that the idea of my being able to launch into a more creative life is uh, foreign to me and and a little... be free of that expectation of yourself. I think you and I uh, have, one of the things that you and I have in common is that we had a version of what we come to call the Puritan work ethic Yeah. throughout our lives in that, you know, it is only by working for a living are we, do we allow ourselves the right to our pleasures in life or to the things that we're passionate about and that one is, one is almost, they're interdependent. And so the idea that you can give, uh, let that, the task part of your life go and simply just focus on the creative life, that's a huge transition. And then it's got, it's just fraught. And and it's another one of those parts of life that bring you into contact with uh, your entire history as a working person and the expectation of yourself and, you know, how that expectation becomes so much a part of your day-to-day lifestyle that the idea of giving it up feels like a betrayal of some kind like you're like you're uh, you know you're turn- being frivolous with your time yes, and you're turning against your your own personal ethics in some kind of way you know it's a weird uh, psychological space to be in because i had the opportunity to observe your transition your transition (laughs) i mean it was not a choice of retirement by uh, you know you were not able to plan it out it was that your body required it um for its health i i was able to observe how you battled with that and you already were in the creative world as a practice And so I was thinking, for me, it's going to be even more difficult to just allow myself because I don't have the practice yet. And that's part of what I was talking about with my life coaches. I was saying, you know, what I think I need to do is start incorporating a practice that I do um, before I retire so that I don't just feel like, I have all this endless desert of time and I don't already have my um, my way to transition into doing things. Yeah. So this is still, all part of that that uh, quandary. I think there's still the the feeling of that you're working without a net. Uh, that that feeling is a is a hard one to anticipate. Um it was for me because I had, you know, I was confronted with this sense of I've got no, I've got no foundation under me. I've got no, uh, I've got no safety net. I'm not, I'm not contributing anymore. I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, you know, a contributing member of society anymore. I'm. Although you know, I think you're contributing uh, more than yeah, you ever I know, were it's, able it's to. It's a weird thing. And I wanted to say one more event of this week that has been, uh, challenging in in certain ways but also enlivening in other ways i was contacted by uh, a colleague a musician a friend uh, steve Nebel, this week and he was telling me about uh, this radio station in tacoma it's a low-powered fm station ktah radio tacoma and they have a uh, program on there called sound poetry and Steve contacted me and said, I, I've heard that you have a, a new book of poetry out, and would you be interested in doing an interview for this sound poetry show? And I was like, well, I, I, I was completely just... <laughs> I, 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 Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. Well, I, I... You know, and then I suddenly was just kind of... <laughs> you boy. ...confronted with my own... It's good coffee. ...attitudes about myself and that part of my creative life, which I have not... which has not had the, the attention or the nourishment or the um, affirmation 
uh, from an audience that my songwriting has had for the last 40 years. And so that I've, I've got this, all this insecurity about it that is just in my body. Although I've been writing poetry for longer than I've been writing songs. I mean, you know, poetry is a very broad term. If you're, if you're a nine-year-old writing poetry, it's, you know, <laughs> it's definitely a different phenomenon than when you're 60 years old and writing poetry. But, but I have been engaged with writing of that kind for as long as I can remember, really. Uh, and fascinated by it even when I wasn't practicing it myself. Um, and it's only been in the last year when I started reading poetry aloud on the Treehouse show that I've realized that, you know, I can read a, a Donald Hall poem and then read one of my poems and everybody thinks they're poems, you know? It's like there's no... You, you realize after a, a lifetime that... Your poetry is poetry. It's the poetry you write. And uh, it, you don't need anyone else to, con to tell you that it's poetry for it to be poetry. If you consider it poetry, it's poetry. Because the, all the poets in, uh, that line my shelves upstairs, there's, they have very little in common with each other. Some of them do. Um, and you, you, know, you can chalk that up to where they were educated or what part of the country they live in or you know, the generation that they belong to or something like that. You can find similarities, but mostly they're just different from each other. And so when you think, what makes a poem a poem? Well, uh, you know, I don't think there's a, there's a real answer to that. Um, and so the idea of being interviewed, uh, he gave me the guy's name that I should contact and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't know, man. Do I have anything to say about, you know, this stuff? And I'm like, and I thought about it for a while. I, don't know, I can't remember. I started listening. They have, a, they have an archive online. Um, if you go to Radio Tacoma and go to the programs page, there's sound poetry. And they've got them all, the, all the audio files of all their interviews. And I saw Linda Robertson is a woman that I used to be in a writing group with in the Methow Valley. She now lives in Port Townsend. And they interviewed Linda Robertson, and she was reading some of her poetry. And there was Mike McGee, who is a, was a Tacoma poet who used to come to my high school English class and read poetry and talk about poetry when I was in high school. And they interviewed him. And then there's an interview with Steve Niebel. And Christy Niebel does interviews of different people. And I'm just like, well, this is just community radio. Yeah. You know, and, it's just, and the program is really good. And it's all different kinds of voices. You know, there's this one guy that's a poet from Fox Island that lives on Fox Island, you know, and... And his poetry isn't about Fox Island, but it's, you know, it's just, these are just local people talking. So I called the guy up, and he called me back, and I'm going to send him some poems, and we're going to schedule a time, and I'm going to do it. So I feel like this is a whole other avenue of my creative life that I've never really given enough weight to. But then I remember when I was young, when I was in college and I was trying to decide, do I want to be a poet or do I want to be a songwriter? Like I had to decide. This was a big question That's in my what life. my whole article about you is yeah, about. Yeah, I had to decide what, what, what I wanted to pursue. And my thinking was, well, there may come a time in my life when I can't play music anymore and that's when I'll devote myself to poetry. You know, that's when I will work on that side of myself. And I've been writing poetry the whole time. It wasn't like I was planning to stop writing poetry and only write songs but poetry writing and songwriting have always kind of occupied two different lanes in my creative uh, highway and uh, so it's interesting to be to have this other part kind of coming up to a level that's getting closer and closer to the level of my songwriting in terms of uh, how I am presenting myself in the world so it's it's nice to well, feel that happening and realize there's room for everything in my consciousness, you know. It brings up the the realization that I had while I was on this um, in my life coaching yeah, session, yeah. which was that we're at a time in our lives. It's very difficult to think of ourselves as old, yeah. but we are entering <laughs> this last stage of our lives. Yeah. And and if there's anything you want to do. Right. You need to do it because there, 
we don't know how much, nobody ever knows how much time they have, but right. as you get older, you know that the time is getting more and more limited. Yeah, there, you got more, more behind you than in front of you. There was a practice that, I, I have this wonderful book about Buddhism and aging, and uh, they, they had this one practice where you would take uh, just a hundred small pebbles or stones or, mm-hmm. or something yeah. and put them in one bowl and then count out the number of years you have in one bowl and see how many you have left in the other bowl. And just to, to show you how much you have gone through and how much you potentially have left. But uh, it made me realize that work is a, is a little bit of a hiding uh, of myself Mm -hmm. during that time. Mm -hmm. So so I feel like, yeah, it's time to explore. What what else do I want to do before I exit? And and yeah. so that's an exciting thing. It is an exciting thing. Exciting period of life. The other thing that we have is we have a special holiday coming up tomorrow <laughs> that we want to acknowledge. Not tomorrow, Monday. Monday. I'm sorry. 19th oh, yeah. is Monday. The 19th is Monday. Yeah. I'm sorry. And that is... Chris Lund's birthday. Chris Lund's birthday. Chris Lund, who I first saw when I was in, I think, a sophomore in high school at the Victory Store on 6th Avenue in Tacoma, where Victory Music took its name, ultimately. Went from Court C Possibilities to Victory Music uh, because of the time it spent in this. This used to be a little cafe, and they call it the Victory Store because... In the 70s, when you'd pay a dollar and 10 cents for a hamburger at McDonald's, you know, a burger and fries and whatever, you could get it for 25 cents at the Victory Store. It was like they had their prices were based on, you know, the end of World War II pricing for things like milkshakes and things like that. I don't think it stayed in business that long, but there was a sign in this vacant storefront uh, for some years afterwards, and you could see it from the street, Victory Store. Uh, and that's where Chris rented that space to do concerts. Uh, after, I don't know why, whether Quartzy Coffee House was still happening or if it was in transition from Quartzy Coffee House to maybe the other side of the tracks or something. But in between those two, Victory Music spent some time in the Victory Store on 6th Avenue in Tacoma. And I went there with my friend Ron Hyman to see his older brother Larry do a concert. And I saw this long-haired, skinny guy up on setting up microphones on the stage, and that was Chris Lund. And that was probably 1974, something like that. So, anyway, that was my first exposure to Chris. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I I happened upon Victory through the Seattle Folklife Festival, and mm-hmm. uh, was trying to find an. Um, on the grounds where Jim Page was playing because I knew that he was playing someplace, but, uh, and somebody told me, oh, he doesn't go by the schedule. He plays on the grounds. You might ask the Victory Music booth. They might know where he might be. And when I came upon the Victory Music booth, I just, I picked up one of the, the newsletters and they were looking for volunteers. And Chris always joked, about me because uh, I basically called up and said, okay, I can do this and this and this. And he was just like... Come on down. <laughs> no, he was actually saying, you might just want to choose one of those <laughs> oh, things. But, but he didn't realize that I would actually do all those things. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Chris and I lived together for five years and I was totally immersed in Victory Music and... Um, that period of time has educated everything yeah, since that uh, yeah. for me because through Chris's encouragement, I started writing, which I would not have done without his actual pushing me to do that. Mm-hmm. I became the editor of the Victory Music Review for a while uh, during that five years span. And during that period of time, which we always say was like the golden era of Victory Music, so many things were happening and uh, I met people who have since been my best friends that accompanied me through my life. 
met you through Victory Music. Met, so it's just like it was the crucible for all good things that happened in my life. And, it's the truth. And I think all of us are so beholden, in a sense, to Chris for his energetic and visionary leadership of Victory, that he had the idea that that idea spawned other ideas, that he was able to be the leader of this whole, you know, hundreds of volunteers uh, over the years that all got something from this experience. And, and I think it just changed the, the way that people think about local music and, and certainly opened my eyes to the fact that there was local music and it has become a passion of my life ever since so the i think maybe we should let rob say it yeah maybe we should have rob talk for a minute right now yeah and rob Folsom, who's no longer with us uh was in attendance at your 50th birthday celebration right and got up on stage and had a few words to say about chris i think i ought to say a word because maybe I'm one of the best qualified to do so, about Chris Lund. We all, of course, owe so much to Chris Lund that we don't even think about it anymore. We don't even consider it anymore. I mean, I'm up here with this thing in front of me, singing and playing guitar, I'm out there doing a little of it, I'm doing sound, because I came to this open mic which was created by Chris Lund. And we not only have those actions, which were so many over so many years, so many that no one will ever know about, we can thank him, but we really don't know what we're thanking him for, because we weren't there when he did so much of it. Oh, you remember all those reviews that were assembled up there, remember? And all those flyers. I remember going around to phone booths with Chris Lund. Tacking up these little cards that said there's a concert such and such a place. Yeah, we really don't know what we're thanking him for. But, you know, he's been an awfully good friend to me, and an awfully good friend to all of us. We should give a rousing, rousing hand. I have only gratitude in my heart for Chris forever and evermore. Me too. And he has changed my life in very real ways. And I am so grateful. I love Chris so much. And we just wanted to wish him the happiest of birthdays, but also to, um, to... To play some of Chris's favorite music. Yes. Um, he always would play Jack of Diamonds on yeah. stage. I had never been introduced to Chris, any... Chris was a blues lover, blues student, and a blues player until he had an injury to his hand that would not allow him to play an extended set any longer. But every once in a while he'd get up on stage at the open mic and play a couple of songs... And it was always a powerful and uh, unique experience to see Chris actually perform music because you got a sense just from listening to him play one or two songs of where all of this inspiration for all of this undying effort. uh, Because the guy, it defines the Energizer Bunny. I mean, he, He he, his energy and his commitment. (laughs) Uh, to Victory Music and to everything that Victory Music is about and has been about and now what Ancient Victories is about is unparalleled in my life. I have never known someone who was such an engine of uh, community and an engine of uh, affirmation for so many. There are so many musicians in this area that if it were not for Chris Lunn and the affirmation that we gained through our association with him, would not have kept up their their uh, their music in, in the same way, and I, I count myself as numero uno in that group 
because without the encouragement I got from Chris and from the atmosphere that he generated in the Victory Music open mics, which was an atmosphere of respect for the artist and the performer, the only open mic that I've ever been to that had that, uh, and if it were not for Chris, that would not exist, and I don't think I would be the songwriter that I have been and am because if it were not for Chris's encouragement. So Yeah, the It's hard to quantify. That's why I love uh, that Rob said we owe all owe so much, but we don't We don't even, even know. know. We don't even know what we owe to Chris because a lot of it was intangible. A lot of it had to do with things that happened when we were nowhere near him. Yeah. But uh, his constancy well, has been an inspiration to hundreds and hundreds of people. So it was a bright day in my life when Chris Lund entered my life. For me too. For me too. He so, loves Odetta. He loves Odetta, and Jack of Diamonds is the one that always <laughs> uh, comes to mind when I think about Chris's love of uh, that Genre. music. Yeah. But I, the other one I chose actually because of thematically. What's, What's been happening? What's in been the happening in current events, and also in honor of uh, my little baby steps in trying to understand what's going on. And educate ourselves. And educate. Yeah. Not in honor of me, but in honor yeah. of the that uh, process. The process. Happy birthday, Chris. Happy birthday. We love you so much, Chris. a hard card to play Shadow Diamond is a hard card to play Shadow Diamond is a card set a many poor man Put your jack on the queen, it'll turn your money green. Jack of diamond is a hard card to play. Put your jack on the queen and we'll turn your money green. Child diamond is a hard, hard to play. Keep out Jack on the queen. 